uh, tell us about a mission field that needs to be reached. And we thank you for allowing us to be able to reach that mission field through him. And Lord, I pray that we would, uh, I pray that we could support him. Bless our time here today, Lord. Bless these baptisms. Bless, uh, Lord, all the veterans that uh, we should remember and will remember today. And uh, Lord, pray that you would just do a great and mighty work in uh, this service today in our lives. And if there's one here that doesn't know you, I pray that they would find that out today. Today would be the day of their salvation. Uh, Lord, thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, you can be seated, please. Welcome to HBF. Welcome to our baptism service here. Uh, we do baptisms to HBF uh, once a month. And it's just kind of as often as we do it. And we know that uh, the Lord uh, Jesus Christ, when he was here on earth and uh, when he was resurrected, he left the church with two ordinances. Uh, the, f- uh, the first one is baptism, which we're going to uh, see today. And the second one is the Lord's Supper, which we observed here just a couple weeks ago. And so uh, we know that the Lord's Supper is to be done as often as you do it. And then so we do baptisms uh, about once a month, and it, it seems to work out well for us. But uh, we understand um, that what the Bible teaches is that the baptism doesn't save us. And I want to make sure that everybody is, is clear on this. Baptism doesn't save anybody. Uh, the Lord Jesus Christ and the blood uh, of, of, of him uh, is what saves us. Putting our, our faith alone in Jesus Christ is what saves us. Uh, But the Bible does say that uh, baptism is our first act of obedience. It is our first public sermon that we can preach uh, to everyone to say, I identify with the body of Christ. And so that's what we're going to do here today. Um, These these two people that we have today, uh, they they don't really want to come up here and say anything, but they want to preach the gospel to you uh, by saying, this is what was done in my life. And I'm going to picture the death, burial, and resurrection, just like what will happen with Jesus. And so uh, I just don't want anybody to be confused and make sure that everybody's on the same page. If there's anybody maybe new at HBF, that the baptism doesn't save anybody. There's nothing special about this water. It is warm, praise the Lord. Uh, But the the, the baptism doesn't save anybody. It is simply a picture of what has already been done in the lives of these two people. And so uh, with that, we'll get started. Our first candidate for baptism today is Cole Bruner. Come on down here, Cole. Cole, he, he didn't think he wanted to say anything today, and I said that was just fine. And so uh, uh, Cole, Cole uh, he's excited about getting baptized, but I think he's a little bit uh, scared, so that's okay. But uh, Cole said he got saved about a year ago, and he's been, you know, mulling and wanting to get baptized, and so here he is. He just wants to, to act this thing out. And so, Cole, do you know that if you died today of assurance that you would uh, be spend eternity with Jesus Christ? Yes. Yes? Well, praise the Lord. Well, ba- uh, Cole, based on your public profession of faith, I baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Buried in the likeness of his death, raised in the likeness of his glorious resurrection. Our second candidate today is uh, Adeline Laverne. I asked Adeline if she wanted to say anything, and she said no. I actually got the, the blessing of uh, meeting with Adeline on Wednesday night and just talking to her about her testimony and, and everything. And uh, I just want to let you guys know that if there's anybody in here that doesn't know Christ and needs to know how to get saved, you need to talk to this little girl because she was able to articulate what happened in her life and the change that happened. And it was it was better than most adults that I've talked to. It was amazing. And so I'm encouraged for Miss Adeline. So, uh, Miss Adeline, do you know that if you died today that you'd spend eternity with Jesus? Yes. 
Yes, well, amen. Alan, based on your public profession of faith, I baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Buried in the likeness of his death, raised in the likeness of his glorious resurrection. It has been done as the Lord commanded. We owe a lot to our veterans, don't we? So as you may know, Veterans Day was Friday, November the 11th, as it is always in our country. But it's a day that we need to, that we also honor all of those that have served in our, our military and, and for our country. And that started all the way back in the Revolutionary War. And if it wasn't for people that have fought for our country, we would not have freedom today. We would not have religious freedom today. And so we owe a lot to those. So I just want to ask, if, if you are a veteran, would you please stand? We'd like to recognize you this morning. All right. We'll stand. All right. Okay. Well, thank you all. You may be seated. And so... Uh, you know, I, I, I want to also ask, how many of you know a veteran or have uh, uh, were married to a veteran or, or uh, have a grandfather or somebody in your family that's a veteran? Would you just raise your hand? Okay, I, I think that's everyone in here. And so we cannot, I cannot say the importance of, you know, what you guys are to us and what you have done for us by being in the military and fighting for our country and being a part of that. So we thank you. I'm going to have Mitch Newland. He's one of our, our younger veterans come up and, and pray for the veterans, and we'll continue. All right, let's pray. Dear Lord God, we do thank you uh, uh, for your grace and your mercy in our lives. Lord, we, the, we love you and we thank you for the sacrifice that you made for us, Lord, so that we can um, just live our lives the way we do. And uh, I thank you for uh, counting me amongst these men uh, who have served uh, with their lives, Lord. And I just, uh, I just pray that we wouldn't, we wouldn't squander the sacrifice that they've made, uh, Lord. This, uh, you've given us a great physical picture of being a living sacrifice through them. And there's many things that we, um, we all sacrifice, 
but specifically the veterans. As we've seen, Lord, with uh, the hands raised, um, almost all of us are connected to a veteran in some way. And uh, I pray that we would use that um, as a, uh, a picture of what we need to do as Christians, Lord, as we serve you. Uh, we thank you for allowing us to have the freedom we have in this country, uh, whether it be uh, a temporary thing uh, or until you come back, Lord, we thank you for uh, that provision from you, Lord, and, and uh, providing the, um, the courage uh, in these men to uh, serve you. And uh, we know even today, Lord, our military is, uh, it is staffed, Lord, by volunteers. And uh, just like every single one of us has a choice on, on how much we will give, uh, we thank you for those who are willing to give um, all of themselves and uh, to give of their families and their time, the uh, things they can't get back, uh, Lord, to, uh, to allow us to have the freedom to do the things that we like to do and to do the things that we need to do. And I just uh, pray that you continue to allow us to live in a free country and uh, that you would just continue to strengthen our veterans uh, and help them to continue uh, with the character that they've been taught uh, so that they can teach others also, Lord, and to help others to have someone to emulate um, and that we can use that for the glorification of you. And uh, I do uh, thank you once again, Lord, for the sacrifice. Uh, I pray that you would just uh, continue to work in the hearts of men uh, and embolden them to uh, serve their country, but most of all to serve you. And uh, I just pray that you get the glory and honor for it all. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Mitch. All right, so I get the honor of introducing our guest speaker today. It's Brian Barry. He's going to be coming up on stage. And Brian Barry uh, is going to be going to Ireland. And so God has called him to Ireland, and he's coming up on stage. I also twisted his arm, and he's going to sing for us also. So he's going to be setting everything up uh, while I'm talking. But I met Brian along with a lot of you this, this spring at our uh, spring Bible, not Bible, but our uh, mission conference. And I got to know him a little bit and found out that we have some, we know some people. And uh, I asked him this morning exactly how old he was because he knows people that I know that are my age. He knows their kids, which know my, my son. And so I'm thinking, wow, I'm getting really old. But what encourages me with Brian and some of the people we've seen come through here just in the last month are missionaries, if you Paid attention, we've had a lot of missionaries come through this church because we love missionaries and we love supporting missionaries, is we have some younger people going to the mission field, and Brian fits that, and I'm so glad he's here today. And not only do we get to see him again, but we get to hear him sing, but he's also going to come and speak to us in a little bit. So give him your attention. In fact, give him another applause, an HBF welcome. Thank you so much. Uh, it Uh, uh, over a year ago, this time a year ago, I didn't even know this church existed. And so, uh, but since that time, God has really uh, done a great work of knitting my heart with this church. And I'm thankful for so many of you. Um, I didn't think I was going to sing this morning when I came, but uh, right before service, they asked me to. And so I thought I'd sing this song for you. This is a song that as I travel around the country and speak in different churches and as God is leading me uh, to Ireland, this is a song that just means a lot to me and hopefully it's a blessing to you uh, whatever God is doing in your life. Uh, this song is called All the Way My Savior Leads Me. And all the way my Savior leads me Who have I to ask beside? 
How could I doubt His tender mercies? Who through life has been my guide? And all the way my Savior leads me And cheers each winding path I tread And gives me grace for every trial Feeds me with the living bread And you lead me And keep me from falling You carry me close to your heart And surely your goodness and mercy of his promise in the triumph of his blood and when my spirit clothed them my 
Because some of you, uh, probably this is your first time seeing me or hearing me. Now, I do have to start off by saying this. A lot of times I know when pastors are going to be out of town, sometimes they don't like tell the church there's going to be a guest speaker because they're afraid like, hey, if I tell the church there's going to be a guest speaker, maybe the church people won't show up. Uh, but this is my first time that the pastor just hasn't showed up, you know. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I, I, I had texted Pastor Brian a while ago and said, hey, I have an open Sunday. I'm going to be here in Kansas City. Uh, my dad pastors up in Belton, and uh, I was like, I'm going to come down and be part of the services. He said, well, then why don't you just preach? I said, hey, well, praise the Lord for that. Uh, it's always exciting uh, to get to open God's word with a church. And I just want to spend a little bit of time. Did I, I drop the clicker somewhere? Did I leave the clicker somewhere? What did I do with my clicker? What did, what did I do with it? Right on the floor? Perfect. See, I said we're going to do a lot. We're going to start off with a game of hide and go seek. And so, <laughs> hey, what I wanted to do is... Um, just share a little bit about with you about myself, about Ireland, and then we're going to get into God's Word uh, together. Um, Ireland is not a very big country. Um, it's smaller than Missouri. There's five million people that live there. And when God called me uh, to be a missionary, and I would just surrender my life to him, I had no idea where God would lead me. I didn't know anything about Ireland. Um, I just assumed there would be tons of missionaries that were there preaching the gospel. And I was very surprised to find out that's not the case. Um, Ireland, if you were here at the Vision Conference, you heard me say many times, Ireland's the least evangelized English-speaking country in the world. If you look at the statistics, Ireland is 1.55% any kind of evangelical Christian. Um, There's very few gospel-preaching missionaries in Ireland. I didn't know any of that. All I knew about Ireland is I'd eaten Lucky Charms a few times, um... I'd seen The Quiet Man with John Wayne, if you've ever seen that movie. It's a great John Wayne movie. Uh, And I knew that they had weather that I liked. I knew that most of the year it's 55 to 70 degrees. The hottest day in the history of Ireland was in 1889. It was 81.9 degrees. And I was like, man, that's like heaven for a ginger like me, you know? And that's basically all I knew. And so I, but then I began praying about, is this where God would maybe use me as a missionary? And so I took a trip over to Ireland with my pastor in 2017, and I said, hey, uh, I feel bad saying I want God to give me a sign that he wants me in Ireland, but I, want, I would love to leave this trip with confirmation one way or another. If God wants me in Ireland, great. If not, close the door. Um, and we were going over to meet some veteran missionaries who have actually since passed away. Um, they were in their 80s, and they were going to show us their ministry, show us the country and all of these things. And Um, So I spent a week with these American missionaries who'd been in Ireland since I was three years old, and I just saw their heart for the Irish people, saw the need, saw the burden, Um, and God just really uh, worked on my heart about potentially coming to Ireland, and the last night that I was with these missionaries, they had some gifts for my pastor, and they had some gifts for me, and one of the gifts that they gave me was this plaque, and this plaque, uh, it hangs outside of a lot of homes and businesses in Ireland. Um, They do speak English in Ireland, but they have a language called Irish or Gaelic. And this plaque, uh, it's pronounced Cademi La Falcia, but it means 100,000 welcomes. So people put this outside their business or their home to welcome people in. And that missionary, he gave me this and said, hey, uh, I put this on my door in 1993 to welcome people in my home, and I took it off this morning, and I'm giving it to you 
looking forward to the day that if God would open the doors, we can welcome you back to Ireland. And that's just obviously super meaningful for me. But we got in the car, and my pastor said, you know what happened, right? I said, no. He said, you started this trip saying you wanted God to give you a sign. That guy gave you the sign off his front door <laughs> saying, come to Ireland. He's like, I don't know what more of a sign you could possibly want. And so I'm just super thankful for how God you know, works in those details. And um, there's a great spiritual darkness in Ireland, but there's a great opportunity. Um, I shared in the, vision, in the vision conference, this is the city I'll be moving to. This city is called Drogheda. If I go back to the map, if you look at Dublin, the, the, biggest, the biggest city there, just above Dublin is that, that dot that says Drogheda. Drogheda is one of the fastest growing places in Ireland. Right now, our population is 45,000 people, but we'll be above 100,000 in the next 10 to 15 years. Uh, Ireland's seeing a ton of growth because companies like Google, Apple, Microsoft, PayPal, eBay, Twitter, Facebook, Amazon, they've moved their European headquarters to Dublin. It's a very business-friendly country. Um, and so people from all over the world are moving to Ireland right now for jobs with these companies. And when people think about Ireland, they probably think of people that look like me, you know, red hair, pale skin. I actually did a DNA test because people ask me all the time, are you, you know, are you Irish? So, you know, I spit in that little vial and the government has all my information now. And it came back 4% Irish. I was so pumped. I was like, Ireland, your boy's coming home. And, uh, but when people think about Ireland, they probably think of people that look like me. But the fact is Ireland's becoming a melting pot of cultures where we can reach the world for Jesus from Ireland because the world is coming to Ireland. And God has led me to this city called Drogheda. It's the first train stop north of Dublin. As people move to Ireland, it's very expensive to live there, so they move to the suburbs. This is the main suburb people are moving to. It's exploding like crazy. I'm going to be moving there to this city and working with this pastor. This man's name is Frank Rayburn. Pastor Rayburn was born and raised in Ireland, and he was raised in the Church of Ireland, which, which is a very works-based version of Christianity, and he and his family did not know the Lord. One day when he was a child, American missionaries came and knocked on his family's door and shared the true gospel of salvation through Christ alone, not of works. And he and his family received Christ as their Savior, and now he's in ministry. His wife, her name's Edel. Edel was raised Roman Catholic. One day, Baptist American missionaries knocked on her door and shared the true gospel of salvation through faith, by grace, not of works, and she received Jesus Christ as her Savior. And they're so excited to have an American missionary come partner with them because of how God has used American missionaries to change their lives. And for me, going to Ireland, I don't have to learn a new language, but I do have to learn a new culture. So to work with an Irish pastor is a great advantage. And so I'm excited to go and work with Pastor Rayburn. Just very briefly, this church is called the Boyne Valley Baptist Church. It was built in 1796, um, and my main responsibility here will be to work with the children. I was in Ireland in May, so just shortly after I was at the Vision Conference, and I had an opportunity to teach the kids at the Boyne Valley Baptist Church. And I got them t-shirts, matching t-shirts, with the logo of my sending church in Ohio, because I wanted to make missions more real for the kids in Ohio, and let the kids in Ireland know that there's kids in America that are praying for them. Um, and so I love these kids, and the reality is most of these kids do not know Jesus Christ as their Savior. They come to church faithfully, but they do not know the Lord. And when I taught those kids in May, I, I, I preached the gospel to them, and none of them responded. But while I wish they all knew Christ, it's humbling to think, in reality, one of these kids will be the first person God allows me to lead to Christ when I get to Ireland. And so I love these kids. The tall kid in the back, 
When I was there in May, he said, Brian, when you're here in Ireland, you have to go eat at Nando's. I was like, well, why is that? He said, at Nando's, you can get a cup and drink as much soda as you want. You can get refill after refill. Because in Ireland, anywhere you go, you get like a little tiny can. You have to pay by the can. He was like, at Nando's, you can drink as much soda as you want. And I was like, in America, anywhere you go, you can drink as much soda as you want. And I just saw his brain explode. Uh, it's like I, I rocked his whole world. Um, but these kids are awesome. Here's the cool thing. God has blessed this church with so many new families, so many new visitors, that they currently have a problem. The problem is they have too many kids and not enough space for them. Right now, this is the building they meet in for kids' ministry. I'm helping the Boyne Valley Baptist Church raise funds so we can replace this small little building with multiple buildings where we can have multiple Sunday school classrooms, fellowship hall, kitchen, bathrooms, so that we don't have a problem of not being able to have more people come because we don't have space for them. And so that's the Boyne Valley Baptist Church. I'm super pumped to get there and get to work there at that church. This church is called the Iron Church. In 1859, there was a revival in Ireland where 100,000 people came to the Lord in a year. So there was a need for new churches to disciple believers. And in 1860, this iron building was put up in the country, and it was sitting vacant for a number of years, and a small Baptist congregation came together, bought this building. I'll be helping Pastor Rayburn at the Iron Church as well. What's awesome is that I'm going to be moving right into the heart of the city, where I'm available for discipleship, outreach, um, counseling, all of those things. Pastor Rayburn lives in Northern Ireland. He has to drive three and a half hours every single Sunday to pastor these churches. If someone's sick and in the hospital, that's like basically a whole day's trip just to go visit them. I'm going to be moving right into the heart of the city where I'll be available to these people. And so I'm ready to get there and get to work. There's people to be discipled. There's people to be reached, people to be trained, ministries to start, buildings that we need to fix up. And I'm excited to get there and get to work doing all of those things. Um, I brought a bunch of prayer cards. And some of you may already have my prayer card, but I have, I have prayer cards. I would love if you would take one. And it means a lot when people in America pray for me to go to Ireland. But these are pictures that I took in May when I was in Ireland. And these are my prayer card up in homes in Ireland and people praying for me to come. There's one thing that there's people praying for me to go, but there's a lot of people that are praying for me to come to Ireland. And I'm so excited to get there and do what God's called me to do. I know I shared this at the Vision Conference, but these are some of my initial plans. I'm a guitar teacher. I have a guitar curriculum. Uh, to just teach people from never touching a guitar to playing songs and a handful of lessons. I've raised a good amount of funds to buy guitars when I get to Ireland. I teach people guitar through hymns and worship songs. And I want to just offer free lessons to kids and teenagers and adults to where they can learn guitar, and if they don't have a guitar, no problem, I'll provide one for them. And I expose them to the gospel through music, and the guitar class ends with 15 to 20 people at a church service all playing guitar at the same time, leading congregational singing. And what I want to do is my goal is at the end of that just to let these people know, hey, people in America cared about you and they gave money for that guitar. That's yours. I don't want that back. And just let, show them the love of Christ. Show them that people care about them. Show them that Christians care about them uh, through music and use that as an avenue to get people into our church. Second thing is good news clubs uh, to take the gospel into public schools in Ireland. We have two schools we have an opportunity to go into teach after-school gospel outreaches and preach the Bible in public schools in Ireland. I'll be leading that. Holiday Bible Clubs. Essentially, Vacation Bible School. I have two churches coming to Ireland this summer to do the very first VBSs or Holiday Bible Clubs they've ever had there. 
And I'm so excited to start taking the gospel outside of the walls of the church into the community to take the gospel to people who need to hear about Jesus. And then addiction recovery ministry. This is one of the first things that I was excited about about HBF uh, is that you guys have an addictions recovery ministry, that you have life issues. And um, I had the opportunity to come and speak at that, and that's one of my big passions. And Ireland has such a problem with addiction, whether it's drugs, alcohol, pornography, pills, whatever. Um, I want to go and take them the message that Jesus Christ can set them free, um, and that's something I'm very passionate about. And I have an opportunity to go partner with a church that has that ministry started and then start that ministry up where I'll be at. And then at the bottom, there's a picture of a church. My goal is to go, and after being able to get permanent residency, after I've started ministries, train people, turn them over at the Boyne Valley and the Iron Church to go plant a brand new church in Ireland. And I'm super pumped to get there. I'm super excited to get started. And I just want to say real quickly how much as a missionary it means to me that I have a prayer team here at HBF. Um, I was at a church a couple weeks ago in Dallas that I had been at over a year ago. And if you were here at the, at the uh, Vision Conference, you likely heard that I had seven S's I asked people to pray for. And as I traveled, I had my seven prayer requests. I was like, these are seven things you can pray for me about. I said, pray for speed, that I would get to Ireland quickly. Because a lot of missionaries has taken them two and a half, three and a half, four years to raise their support. I said, there's a lot of work to do in Ireland, so pray that I'd be able to get there quickly. But also pray that I'd be able to be fully funded and have the finances I need to get to Ireland. It's a very expensive country. So pray that I have my support that I need to get to Ireland. I ask that people pray for my safety, not just physically, but spiritually and emotionally, that God would protect me as I traveled. I ask that God would uh, provide servants for the ministry that those that are waiting for me in Ireland would step up to what God has called us to do to be a light for the gospel, but also that God would call people to come serve alongside me in Ireland. So pray for servants. Pray for souls. Pray that souls in Ireland would be ready to receive the gospel when I get there, and also that I would be a light for the gospel as I travel on deputation. I don't want to be so Ireland-focused that I'm doing nothing for the gospel here in America where God currently has me. So I ask people to pray for that. I ask people to pray for my sanctification, that I would continue to grow and be molded into the man of God God would desire for me to be, because I'm not going to Ireland on vacation. I know I'm going to step into spiritual warfare, and I want to be prepared for what God has me there to do. And then the last thing was I asked that people would pray for a spouse, because so much of my ministry is kids' ministry, youth ministry, young adults' ministry, and that would be just a blessing. And that I was willing to go to Ireland by myself if God desired for me to do that, but I was asking for a spouse. The reason I bring all that up to you is that I've asked people to pray for these things as I've traveled. And I know that there's a team of people at your church that pray for me and pray for my prayer request. And when I was at this church a couple weeks ago, I looked back and I thought, all of these things that I've been asking people to pray for, God is answering these prayers. I've been, I was hoping to take two and a half years to travel and raise my support I've been traveling a year and a half, and I'm at 95% of the finances I need to get to Ireland. God continues to protect me and provide for me, and there's people in Ireland that are stepping up, and there's people in America that are praying about maybe coming and serving with me. There's people being saved in Ireland, and people I've seen saved on deputation. God continues to grow me and change me, and if you follow me on social media, you know that I met a wonderful young lady named April, and God just brought her into my life out of nowhere. And so I just want to say this. As a missionary, I appreciate 
that people pray for me. I'm not just a prayer card in a hallway. I'm not just, you know, another project or something. I'm a fellow co-laborer in the gospel that you pray for. And that if I have a need, I know there's people here praying for me. And that means the world to me. And so I just want to thank you so much for the bottom of my heart because it's an honor for me to be a missionary going to Ireland. And it's an honor that I have this church um, behind me. And so I just want to thank you for that. Um, That's basically all I'm going to say about Ireland. But if you have any questions, I'll be here afterwards. You can talk to me. Um, But what I would love now is for you to open your Bible to Luke chapter 5. And we're just going to spend a little bit of time in God's Word. I'm going to talk about being a full-time follower of Jesus. Because I love being a missionary now, but that's not my first job. I need some audience participation for a second. Does anybody here remember their first part-time job? We're going to talk in church. It's going to be okay. If you, what's your, raise your hand if you want to share what your first part-time job was. What was your first part-time job? What? Sonic. Sonic praise the Lord. The, the ocean water at Sonic is the best drink in the world, hands down. Okay, what's your first part-time job? Mowing yards. Anyone else? First part-time job. Back row. Grandview Glass. There you go. Medical transcriptionist. Anybody else? First part-time job you want to share? Greenhouse worker. Delivering. Every single church I've ever asked that question to, somebody says delivering papers. Uh, That's great. Thank you for people who deliver papers. Let me share with you what my first part-time job was. I worked in Belton, Missouri, downtown Belton, at Beacon Bible and Bookstore. Okay, when I was in high school, I worked at Beacon. It was me and three old ladies. It was awesome. I would go to school at Belton High School, and then when I got out of school at three, I would go into work. They would all go home and leave the store just to me. It's amazing. Uh, And I loved that part-time job. It was super chill. It was super slow. That wasn't good for them. They're out of business today. But it was good for me as a high school student because I got to do homework or do all these other things. It was a very low-stress job. If things were slow at Beacon, I would just lock the front door, walk down the street to Dryden's and get some snacks, and then I'd come back to work, and it was just a super chill job. The worst thing that could possibly happen at Beacon was someone stole something, and if they steal something, it's a Christian bookstore. God will take care of it. You know, I don't have to worry about it. That was my first part-time job. I loved it. It was very chill, very easy. I remember my first paycheck. It was $105. I was like, I can basically retire because I'm rich now. It was awesome. (laughs) That's my first part-time job. But then I got my first full-time job. I moved to Tucson, Arizona in 2008, and I worked for Southwest Mortuary Service. I drove around a van uh, picking up dead bodies. There's a big transition from part-time to full-time. A lot of things could go wrong when you're working in mortuary transportation. A lot of things could go wrong. But the transition from part-time to full-time was a big jump. And maybe you can relate to that. You had this part-time job. Maybe you were delivering papers. Maybe you were working at Sonic. You're doing all these different things. And then you get a full-time job, and you're like, man, this is a lot more intense, but there's a lot of benefits that come with it. And for some of you, maybe actual benefits. But there's benefits that come when you go from part-time to being full-time. And the reason that I bring this up is that in Luke chapter 5, we're going to be in verse 1 through 11, we're going to talk about some people that went from being part-time followers of Jesus to fully sold-out disciples of Christ. And there's multiple things we're going to see in Luke 5, 1 through 11, both about Jesus and those he allows to follow him. In this section of the book of Luke, Jesus has begun preaching. He's begun his teaching ministry. And as Jesus goes around, crowds are coming. And Jesus' message is for everybody as a whole, but it always gets to the heart of the individual. 
to get to the heart of the individual, to change them radically, to have them sell themselves out for him and to go and take his message to the world. And Luke, in Luke chapter 5, he describes an interaction with Jesus and some individuals, and their lives are going to be forever changed because of this experience. Now, if you're just reading through the Gospels, you may think that Luke 5 is a similar account to what happens in Matthew or Mark when Jesus comes along and meets these fishermen. But that was actually an earlier account. In Mark chapter 1, Jesus comes along and meets these fishermen. And he says, hey, follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. And these fishermen, they go with Jesus. They go with him to Capernaum in Galilee. But after that short time of following Jesus, those fishermen go back to being fishermen. And now in Luke chapter 5, Jesus is coming along, sees them again, and he's going to call them to a life of full-time discipleship. And what I want us to see in Luke 5, 1 through 11, we're going to see three ways that Peter responded to Jesus, and I want you to respond to him in the same way and be fully surrendered to what God has for you. So in Luke chapter 5, if you'll open your copy of God's Word, I'm going to read verses 1 through 11. I'm going to pray and then we'll move forward. God's word says in Luke chapter 5, verse 1, And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two ships standing by the lake. But the fishermen were gone out of them, and they were washing their nets. And he entered into one of those ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draft, or let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word I will let down the net. When they had done this, uh, uh, when, when they had uh, this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net break, and they beckoned under their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished and all that were with him at the draft of the fishes which they had taken. Verse 10. And so was also James. And John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. In verse 11, And when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. They went from being part-time to full-time. Let's pray as we go forward in God's word. Dear God, I thank you today to be here with this church. I thank you for what they mean to me and the investment that they are in my life. I pray that our time today and your word would be profitable, that you would maybe reveal areas that are blind spots in our lives we need to surrender to you. If there's areas that we're holding on to, if there's fear or doubt or discouragement, that we would give those up and we would serve you and follow you anyway. May we not leave today the way we came. May this not just be another church service, but may we just be fully sold out to you today. In Jesus' name, amen. The first thing I want you to see from this of how Peter responded to Jesus is this, is that he was defeated, but he still served. He was defeated, but he still served. In God's word, look back at verses 1 through 3. I just want us to read this so you can understand what I'm trying to say here. It came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two ships standing by the lake. The ships were already in. They weren't out on the water. They were brought in. But the fishermen were out of them, and they were washing their nets. 
They'd set their nets out. They're ready to go home. They're done for the day because they hadn't caught anything. He entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Wherever Jesus goes, a crowd is gathering around him. So now Jesus finds himself here at the lake of Gennesaret, and there's people around. And if you've ever been by a body of water, you will understand that if Jesus goes out into the water a little bit, his voice is going to travel to speak to the crowd better than if he just stands on the shore. So there's two boats, and the fishermen are not in the boats because we see in a minute that they've been out all night fishing. They came back doing their job and had caught nothing. They were done. They set out their nets. They're ready to go home. They are done for the day. But then Jesus comes in to the story. Now, is anybody here a fisherman you enjoy fishing? Is anybody here like fishing? I absolutely hate fishing. It's one of my least favorite things in the whole world. I think it's because my fishing experiences, most of them took place in Tucson, Arizona. My grandfather was one of these fishermen where he's like, hey, you're thinking too loud. Like the fish can hear your thoughts. You need to just be quieter. And so as this little kid, I'm not convinced fish even exist in Arizona because I've never seen one. But we would go fishing all the time. I had to sit there in the quiet. The only thing I'm catching is third-degree sunburns, and I'm sitting there, and nothing is happening. It was awful. But in my life, there's one time I had the great catch. My family still talks about it to this day. I was in first grade, and we were at our pastor's house, and he had a pond, and I'm out there fishing, and I feel something on the end of the hook. And I know there's one of two options. I either bring this fish in, or it's pulling me in, and I'll never see my family again. It was the fight of my life. And so I'm fighting this fish. I bring it in. It felt like Jaws, and I finally had my great catch. I'm I'm staying at my dad's house in Belton, and I was looking through some pictures. And I have a picture of me with the fish, and it's about this big. Um, (laughs) But that was my one good fishing experience. When I go fishing, I don't expect to catch anything. I don't expect anybody to catch anything. But these men are professional fishermen. They have been out all night doing their job. They come home. They have nothing. They have nothing. And Jesus, he gets on Peter's boat. Peter's not expecting to go back out in the water. And he says, hey, Peter, I need you to do something. I need you to get back out there. See, maybe I'm just speaking for myself here. And if so, that's fine. If things don't go my way, if I'm a little defeated, a little discouraged, the first thing in my mind is typically not, how can I serve someone else right now? I'm really good at, you know, throwing a pity party for myself. And if this chapter contained a verse where Peter said, and, and, and Peter saith unto Jesus, I am too tired and exhausted and frustrated. I just want to go home and eat ice cream. I'd be like, I relate to that verse. That's my life verse. Give me that bumper sticker. Like, I relate to that. But it's not here. It's not here. I want you to check this out. Even though Peter is, and if you can see the verses, that's great. Hopefully you have a Bible. Even though Peter is surely disappointed, defeated, discouraged from being out all night, doing his job, coming home, having nothing, Jesus comes along with a small request in verse 3. He says, and he prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. Jesus says, hey, Peter, I need you to do something. I need you to go out a little bit from the land. And my guess would be Peter didn't want to. But even in this defeated situation, ready to go home, ready to give up, Peter says, okay, I'll be faithful in doing the little bit. Even though 
He was discouraged, defeated. He was faithful in the little bit Jesus asked him to do, and it sets him up to be in a perfect position for the miracle that is coming in this story. See, in verse 4, listen to this. Now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draft. Listen, this is not a profound new thought by me. You've likely heard this a million times, but I want you to think about this. Before Peter was asked to go into the deep where the miracle happens, he was asked to go out a little bit. Before he's asked, hey, go out into the deep and let down your nets for a draft, Jesus said, hey, Peter, I know you're ready to give up. I know you're ready to go home, but I need you to do something. I want to talk to this crowd. So just go out a little bit from the land. I think it's possible that you and I, the reason we have such weak faith and we don't see God work in our lives the way he seems to work in others' lives is that we're like, God, I want to see the miracle happen in the deep, but we're still sitting on the shore not even willing to go out the little bit. We're not even willing to do the little bit that Jesus is asking. And we sit there saying, why don't I see the miracles other people are seeing? Maybe it's because we're not being faithful in the little bit. See, I don't want you to miss this. There's a miracle that is coming in this story. But before that happens, Peter's here, ready to go home. Nets out for the day. No expectation of getting back out there. But then Jesus comes into the story. And he was still willing to do what God asked, even in the situation he was in. I want you to know today that God uses people who were discouraged and defeated and maybe feel like failures. And God does not need the best and the brightest. If he did, I would not be standing before you. So if you are here and you feel discouraged and you feel at your lowest, praise God because the point of your life is not to prove how great you are, but that through you and through anyone, God can do anything that he wants. God does not need the best and the brightest. God needs people who are willing to be faithful even in the little bit. Even when they maybe feel like giving up and going home, being faithful to God anyway. My question for you is today, are you going to allow discouragement, failures, defeat to be reasons you don't follow God? Are you going to be, they going to be excuses you give God? Or are you going to follow him anyway? Luke 16.10, I just want to read this verse to you. The Bible says, He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. I want you to know today that Peter served even when he was defeated. And I just want to challenge you the same way. If you don't feel like it, do it anyway. Because God is going to work. God is going to do what he says he will do. So I want you to understand this, that he was discouraged and defeated, but he still served. He still served in a little bit. But I want you to see this. He was doubting, but he still obeyed. Let's continue on in the story. Luke chapter uh, 5, verse 4 through 7. Now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draft. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. Once again, after being faithful in the little bit, after being faithful in the little thing Jesus asked him to do, Jesus says, hey, I need you to go out into the deep. And I appreciate the honesty with how Peter answers Jesus. He says, Master, we have toiled. In verse 5, he says, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. 
Have you ever heard that saying people say where they say, hey, don't tell God how big your problem is. Tell your problem how big your God is. Peter's literally doing the opposite of that right now. He's saying, hey, God, I know you told me to do this, but it's not going to work out. This isn't a good idea. I know you're asking me to do this, but this isn't going to work. In Peter's mind, what Jesus was asking to do made no sense whatsoever. Peter has not known Jesus a super long time, but he would have known, hey, Jesus is a carpenter. I'm a professional fisherman. You don't catch fish here in the middle of the sea, in the deep, when it's hot outside. You catch them close to the shore at nighttime. Jesus, what you are asking me to do does not make sense. That's why I'm thankful for the second part of verse 5. He says, Master, we have told all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down thy net. He says, listen, I don't get what you're asking me to do, Jesus. It doesn't make sense in my mind. Nevertheless, I'm going to do what you ask me to do anyway. See, I love that God doesn't need us to always have the most crazy you know, giant amount of faith. The Bible says faith even the size of a mustard seed can move a mountain. But here's the deal. I want you to think about this. Each of us at some point in our life have probably had God impress upon us to do something. Maybe it's to serve somewhere here at the church. Maybe it's to go on a mission trip. Maybe it's to be part of a prayer team. Maybe it's to lead a prayer team. Maybe it's to increase your giving. Maybe it's to share the gospel with somebody. Maybe it's to, uh, you know, Go through discipleship. Maybe it's one of these things. And in your mind, you're like, God, this isn't going to work out for all these reasons. God, my finances. God, my schedule's already so full. God, all of these things. Maybe you can relate to the first part of, of Luke chapter 5, verse 5. We have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Maybe you can relate to that part of giving your excuses to God. But how many of us can truly say we can relate to the second part? We say, nevertheless, at thy word. Nevertheless, if you ask me to do it, God, I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to do it anyway, even though it doesn't make sense to me. Are we going to be faithful even in our doubts? I want you to turn over real quick to Mark chapter 9, because I want you to see something here. There's this story, or this is, there's this count where Jesus is up on a mountain, and he comes down. And in, Luke, uh, in Mark chapter 9, I want you to see here. We'll just start in verse 17. There's this father whose son is dealing with what the Bible calls a dumb and deaf spirit. And in Mark chapter 9, verse 17, it says, And one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit. And wheresoever he taketh him, he teareth him, and he foameth and gnasheth with his teeth and penneth away. And I spake to thy disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not. This father's son has this problem, and he's tried all these different avenues to get him help. Nothing is working. And in, in Mark 9, 19, Jesus says, he answered him and saith, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. And when they brought him unto him, and when he saw him, straightway the spirit tear him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming. And he asked his father, how long ago is it since this came unto him? And he said, of a child. And oftentimes it hath cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. Now check this out. This is what this father says to Jesus. There's this big problem. He's tried to find help with other ways, getting no relief. And in Mark chapter 9, verse 22, but if thou canst do 
anything, have compassion on us and help us. He says, Jesus, if there's anything you can do, please show compassion and please help us. And in verse 23, Jesus says, if thou can't believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. This father said to Jesus, hey, is there anything you can do to help me? And Jesus says, hey, you're asking me if there's anything I can do? All things are possible to him that believes. All things are possible. When we, we have an all things God, when you and I only have an anything faith, God is not limited by us. God is great and God is mighty. So now you know the story continues on. And look at what, what, look what it says here. In verse 24, And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. Some of us look at that verse and we're like, that verse makes no sense whatsoever. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Does he believe or does he not? The answer is this. Yes. All of us struggle on some level with doubt. The question is, are we going to allow our doubts to be reasons we sit on the sideline doing nothing, or are we going to obey? Are we going to put our faith in in Jesus anyway? Say, Jesus, I'm going to trust that you're going to provide, even though it doesn't make sense in my mind. If you are here today and you have doubt, if you are here today and you have struggles, if you are here and, and you have worries, you are in good company. Everybody at some point is going to struggle with these things. The question is, are you going to allow them to debilitate you, or are you going to move forward in obedience anyway? I want you to listen to this verse, Ephesians 3.20. Probably my favorite verse right now. It's just this verse just really speaks to my heart. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. God says, listen, I can do more than you ask me to do, but I can do more than you can even think to ask me to do. God is not limited by our imagination of what he can do in our lives. And here in this story, we see that this fisherman has a doubt. He has a doubt that what Jesus is asking him to do is going to work out. And my question for you is, even though you have doubts, will you still be obedient? Jesus said, go out into the deep. Go out in the deep, let down those nets that you were going to lay out because you think that you're done for the day. I'm not done with you yet. There's something I want you to do. He had doubts, but he was still obedient. Are you still going to be obedient even in your doubts? So I want you to understand this. That first, he was defeated, but he still served Jesus in little things. Secondly, he was doubting that what Jesus asked him to do was going to work out, but he still obeyed. And the last thing you need to see is this. He was undeserving, but he still followed. I want you to listen to this. The story starts with defeated and discouraged fishermen who took a small step of serving Jesus anyway. Then Jesus says, hey, now I want you to do something bigger. And they had doubts, but they obeyed. And now they're able to see a miracle happen. I want you to look with me back in Luke uh, chapter 5. Let's, let's read about the miracle, and then we'll see how they respond. In verse 6, when they had done this, meaning when they did the thing that they thought was not possible, when, the, the, when they did the thing that they had hesitation and doubt about, when they had done this, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes, and their net brake. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships so that they began to sink. When they were faithful 
when they served anyway, when they obeyed anyway, they saw a miracle happen in their lives. And look at verse 8 to see how they responded. It says, when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. After seeing the miracle that Jesus does, Peter's response was repentance for his unbelief, worship for what God had done, and a total desire to sacrifice everything and give everything up to follow Jesus. And I think the way that Jesus responds shows us some wonderful things about him. Jesus doesn't respond by him saying, hey, depart from me, for I'm a sinful man, O Lord. Jesus doesn't respond by kicking him, spitting on him, laughing at him, saying, hey, you are so dumb. You are an idiot. You doubted me? I can't use you. I can't use you at all. That's not how Jesus responded. Look at how Jesus responded by him saying, depart from me. In verse 9, it says, for he was astonished and all that were with him at the draft of the fishes. And I want you to see this. In verse 10, And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. At this moment when Peter has fallen on his face and showed himself to be unworthy to follow Jesus, Jesus says, hey, I want you to follow me anyway. I still have plans for your life. I'm not limited by your failures. Jesus, think about this. Jesus is God. He knows all the times that are coming in the future where Peter's going to fall on his face again and again and again. Jesus knows that, and he still says, hey, you don't need to fear because I have a plan for your life. And at this moment where Peter has showed himself to be unworthy to follow Jesus, Jesus says this, follow me anyway. I still have plans for you. I still can use you. And look at verse 11. And when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. They went from being these part-time followers of Jesus to sold out, fully sold out disciples, not going back. See, I I don't want us to miss this because this is a big theme of my life. Being a follower of Jesus is his gift to us, not some great gift that we give to him. To forsake everything and follow Christ is a wonderful gift he gives us. And sometimes we can have it so backwards that any little thing we do for God, we're like just patting ourselves on the back. Like, man, God is so lucky to have me on his team, but we couldn't be more wrong. It's a blessing and an honor and a privilege to forsake everything, to be part of what God wants to do with your life. See, and as a missionary going to Ireland, sometimes people can almost act like they feel sorry for me. Like, man, that's, that's a lot to give up your family and your friends to go to another country and you know, to tell people about Jesus. But I'm like, there's nothing else I would want to do. Because the God who made this universe, out of everybody, with all of my imperfections, with all of my faults, with all my failures, God says, hey, Brian, I have a plan for your life. Not because I'm worthy or deserving, but because my life is a testament that God can use anybody. And I want to be part of his plan. And we should understand that we are undeserving as well, but God still desires to use us. Just to kind of wrap this up, I want to share with you this. In this story of Jesus and these fishermen, there's a couple things that we learn that are some cliches sometimes you hear in church, but they're accurate. That's why you hear them all the time. One of the things is this. God does not call the qualified, he qualifies the called. 
Those who you would maybe expect God to use for great things are not always who he picks. But if God calls somebody to do something, he is going to equip them. He is going to qualify them for the task. There was nothing in their life that would have indicated these were the men God would use to change the world, but God used them anyway. The second thing is this. God is more concerned with your obedience than your comfort. They were ready to go home for the day, but God said, I need you to get back out there. God is more concerned with our obedience than our comfort. The next thing is this. God does not call where God does not lead. He didn't just send them off on their own. He was with them. And you need to know that. What God calls you to in your life may be scary. It may be difficult, but you will not be alone. If you are in God's will, you have God with you. You have God guiding you, directing you, and strengthening you for everything he's going to put in your path. One of the other things I want you to learn from this story, I'm going to illustrate this for you, is this. It is always too early to give up. It is always too early to give up. I'm going to share a story with you about the 1988 World Series. Not going to brag, but I wasn't born yet. But in 1988, the World Series was the Dodgers versus the Oakland A's. The Oakland A's were heavy favorites in that World Series because they had these guys on their team. Jose Canseco and Mark McGuire. We'd find out later on down the road that these guys were juiced up on steroids. But they were the Bash Brothers. They were just smashing home runs left and right. The Oakland A's were heavy favorites in the World Series. They had an incredible offense. They also had this pitcher. His name's Dennis Eckersley. Dennis Eckersley has a, was a great pitcher and had a great mustache. And he's the closer for the Oakland A's. And so they're like, man, this team is stacked. Surely they're going to win the World Series. Because the Dodgers had a good team that year, but their best player is this guy. His name's Kirk Gibson. Kirk Gibson had an MVP season, but he hurt both of his legs, both of his knees. He wasn't expected to play in the World Series. So I'm going to show a video in a second, but first let me set it up for you. Game one of the World Series is played at the Dodgers stadium. They're the home team. It's the bottom of the ninth inning, and they're down by one run. The problem is Mr. Mustache is pitching. He's a stud, okay? Kirk Gibson's not playing. He's hurt. The Dodgers are down by one run, and there's two outs in the bottom of the ninth inning. They get a man on second base. And their manager says, hey, Kirk Gibson, I know you're hurt. I know you can barely walk. I know you can't run, but you're still our best batter. You give us the best shot of winning. So he has Kirk Gibson come out to bat at the bottom of the ninth with two outs in the World Series. And so I want to tell you what happens. And we're going to watch in a second. If you watch the full video clip, you'll see that Kirk Gibson swings and he misses at a couple pitches. He fouls them off. And you can just tell he's in a ton of pain. But in the bottom of the ninth inning, in game one of the World Series in 1998, with the Dodgers down one run, two outs, two strikes, a man on second base, I want to show you a video of what happened next, if we have the video ready to go. The Dodgers would go on to win that World Series 
But what I want to show you is a picture, because I want to make a point to you. In this picture, if you look up at the very top, you see two red lights. Those red lights are the tail lights from a vehicle that was outside the stadium listening to the game on the radio. Someone who's outside of the stadium listening to this game where the situation doesn't look good. It doesn't look good if you're the Dodgers. It's a very bad situation. Somebody is outside the stadium listening to the game on the radio, and as the ball goes over the fence in right field, they slam on their brakes listening to this home run. The reason I show you that video and show you that picture is this. Don't be the person outside the stadium just before God's going to do something awesome in your life. It may not look like a good situation. It may not make sense to you why God would put you in the situation. Nothing about what you're going through may make sense in your mind. But I want to remind you, it is always too early to give up on God. Do not be the one outside the stadium just before God's going to do something awesome in your life. You may be here today at church and you might feel like you're defeated. Something's happened to you or you did something and life has not worked out the way that you wanted. My challenge for you is this. Serve God anyway. Be faithful in the little thing God is asking you to do. You may have doubts. You might have fears. You might have worries. My challenge for you is this. Obey God anyway. Whatever he's asking you to do, whatever he's challenging you to do, obey him Anyway, be faithful to him anyway. And you may be sitting there today thinking, man, I am so undeserving to be a follower of Jesus. I'll tell you this, welcome to the club. We all are. None of us are worthy to follow Jesus, but he chooses to use us anyway. And I just want to challenge you, as undeserving as you may feel, trust him, obey him, serve him. Do what God wants you to do because it's only out in the deep where you see the miracles happen. And you're never going to get there if you're not faithful in the little things God is asking you to do. So this is what I'd ask. Just close your eyes and bow your heads. I'm just going to have a time of prayer for you. I just want to challenge you. If you are discouraged and defeated today, may you just be honest with God about that and say, God, I'm here at church and maybe you don't even want to be. Serve God anyway. Maybe you have doubts, you have fears, you have worries. Obey God anyway. Maybe you have fallen on your face and say, God, I don't deserve to serve you. Serve God anyway. Follow him anyway. Don't just be a part-time observer. Be a sold-out, fully surrendered disciple of Jesus. Whatever next step you need to take in faith and obedience and service and following God, make that decision today. Dear Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to be here with this church. Thank you for their commitment to your word. Thank you for their commitment to reach the world with the gospel. But God, you use people who are wounded and defeated and discouraged. And may our lives be a living testimony of the fact that you can use anyone, you can do anything that you want. And may our lives be a reflection of your grace, your mercy, and your power. In Jesus' name, amen. Maybe you're here today, and maybe you're like Peter. Maybe you need to give your life over to Christ. Maybe you're here today, and, and you've, you, you've heard the gospel. Maybe you've heard about Christ, and you've come today to hear a little bit more about it. Uh, maybe uh, that's one decision, but maybe you need to make another decision, and that's to accept him as your Lord and Savior. So I want to give you an opportunity, if that is you this morning, 
Do you need Christ in your life? Do you need to accept him as your Lord and Savior? And it's as simple as, number one, knowing that you're a sinner. It's as simple as uh, believing that Jesus died on the cross and that he was buried and that he rose again. And by accepting that and confessing back to God, the Bible says that you're saved from your sins and you have a relationship with him. Is there anyone here today that needs to make that decision? If you are, would you just raise your hand? Because we want to make sure that you don't go home today without following Jesus. Anyone at all. So I'm not going to tarry, but I do want to give the opportunity. And because that's what it's all about. It's, it's about giving your life to Christ so that he can use it. Anyone at all? All right, so let me go ahead and pray and go from there. Father in heaven, we, we, we thank you for this message that we heard today. We thank you for uh, the people that are here that have heard it, Lord. I pray that it, we would uh, put it to heart, that we'd use it in our life, that we would uh, just give ourselves to you, Lord to be the person that you want us to be, not not just accept you as Lord and Savior, but to give you ourself, Lord, that you can use us while we're still here. So we pray for that. We pray for, uh, again, for the people that are here, the people that are gone today, Lord, and we just give you all the honor and all the glory. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right, so I'm going to go ahead and uh, pray for the offering here in just a minute, but, but brother, I'm going to tell you it was a great message. And that's a message we all need to have. And we can all, I don't know about you guys, but I can relate to Peter because I seem to put my foot in my mouth all the time, a lot like him. And I would suspect a lot of you are like that also. But I want to go ahead and have the the uh, ushers uh, start passing the offering, pray around. I want to go ahead and pray for that. And then I'm going to give some announcements and we'll be dismissed. So Father in heaven, we just come before you today. And we thank you for all the blessings that you give us. We, we thank you that we live in a country that, that is uh, free, free to live our lives the way we want, freedom uh, to serve you the way we want, the freedom that we can have your word, that we can, we can live it, we can preach it, we can teach it, we can send it out. And Lord, I just thank you for that. I just uh, thank you for uh, the offering that's about to be received, Lord that you would use it to continue to do the work that needs to be done. Uh, so we, uh, I thank you for all the people that are here, all the people that have committed themselves to you, that uh, give on a regular basis and, and give, Lord, because uh, we want your work to be done. So we just pray for this offering that it would be used mightily and you would use it to the fullest of your ability. And we ask all this in Christ's name. Amen. All right. So I've got a few announcements if I have it with me, and we'll be dismissed. But uh, again, I, again, I want to go back and say your, your message was great because we need to have that same response. We need to be, uh, there are times in our life we, we're defeated, but we still need to serve. There are times in our life when we doubt, but we need to act. And there are times that we uh, maybe not, understanding reality of things going on, but we still need to follow Christ. And I'm sure I didn't get those all right, but uh, go back and listen to the message because I know I'm going to. So a few announcements. I know we, again, pray for our teams that are out, our team in, in Monmouth. Pray for Pastor Brian, and uh, they'll all be back this week. But uh, pray for a safe trip back. 
I know we have a men's Bible and breakfast coming up uh, November 19th, and I believe that is next week. Is that correct? Okay. And so I always pump that because I don't know about you, but there's just something about men and food. Uh, and I, I like food, and so uh, I always want to announce that. Uh, next Steps class, if you've been coming and you want to know a little bit more about our church, you can sign up for our Next Steps class. Our next one will be on December the 4th. They'll have a small uh, dinner and bath in the Common Grounds room, and you'll be able to talk to one of our pastors, ask any questions you might have, and just get a little bit more information about us. So that would be on December the 4th. Um, we also, on that same day, will have a Kingdom Seekers orientation. If you would like to work with our children's ministry, uh, you can be a part of that uh, December the 4th at 9 a.m. And several things. Read your bulletin, because that's basically what I'm doing. And uh, a lot going on in our church at all times. And so uh, just pray that we have a great day. I'm going to go ahead and pray, and then we'll, we'll get out of here. Father in heaven, we come before you today, and we, we thank you for loving us. We thank you again for all the blessings you give us, Lord. And I pray that when we walk out of here, that we would be a blessing to other people, Lord. Give us open doors to get the gospel out to the people around us. Give us opportunities to serve people around us. And let us always be willing to, to tell people about our Savior, which is you, Lord. And help us to not only see those opportunities, give us the words to say. And, Lord, help us to, again, just just be faithful to you. And we ask all this, Lord. Give us a great week, and in Christ's name, amen. Lord, just...